This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Issue in Interviews with Kieran Michael Lawler on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Issue and Interviews. And now, here's Kieran Michael Lawler. Welcome back to Issues and Interviews with Kieran Michael Lawler on the Red Apple Podcast Network. New home for Issues and Interviews. Great to be here with this fine organization. I'm excited. I'm in New York City. I feel like George and Wheezy. I'm moving on up from uh, Dutchess County all the way to the gleaming city of New York. I'm looking out the window. I can see the traffic going by, and it's great to be with you. We have a great guest coming up. We're going to talk with Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, an old friend of mine who has her hand and finger on the pulse of what's going on in Washington, D.C. We're going to talk to her about China, the threat that China poses, and also the balloons that are flying over and getting blown up over our country and unpack all of that. We're going to talk a little bit about the military recruitment problem. If you don't know me, I was a Marine Corps infantryman, served in Iraq, and come from a line of Marines, my father, my uncle, my brother, me, all United States Marines, and I'm concerned about our military. We don't have the ability to recruit like we used to, and how do we protect our country and our interests without a strong military? So we're going to talk all about that. And first, I want to talk to you about something New York-related. As you may know, I was a five-term member of the New York State Assembly. I left when I honored my term limits pledge and didn't run for re-election in 2022. But I learned a lot about how the sausage is made in Albany. And here's a sausage you're not going to like. You're going to start paying for. You, the New York taxpayer, anybody who does business in New York and pays taxes in New York, you're going to start paying for, you know those annoying robocalls that you get at election time? Go vote for so-and-so. Don't vote for this guy. You know those push polls that you get that kind of mislead you? You know those? You know the letters and big mailers that fill up your mailbox at election time? If you like getting them, great. But do you want to pay for them? Because a law passed in the last session of the New York State Legislature. was signed by Kathy Hochul. I voted against it, but it passed anyway. It's going to make you pay for all of those things. All of those things that go into a campaign with a public financing system in New York State for governor, for state comptroller, all the statewide elected offices, and every congressional race. So think of this. There's 150 members of Congress. Even if you only have two candidates, that's 300 races. Well, this new system says if candidate Smith raises $50 from somebody in his district, somebody gives him a $50 check, he gets that $50, puts that into his campaign war chest to send robo-dials and hire consultants and all that stuff, and then the taxpayers match it. They give him six times 50. So they give him $300. $300. And that goes all the way up to if you give $250, that gets multiplied and goes to $2,550 of taxpayer money. This is huge dollars, millions upon millions of dollars. So the next time you have a problem with your school, you know, your child needs, he has some dyslexia or some kind of a challenge in learning, and they say, oh, school doesn't have enough money. Sorry. Remember, New York State had millions for politicians to pay for their campaigns. The next time you say, oh, this is, you're told, oh, there's just not enough money for new cops or potholes 
or any of these things that make life nice and tolerable in the great state of New York, remember, they had millions of dollars for politicians to fund their campaigns, and it's brand new. And here's a big burning question. I don't know the answer. It remains to be seen. But I don't even know if this question has been asked yet. Are Republicans, typically the defenders of the taxpayers who overwhelmingly voted against this, I believe every Republican in the Assembly voted against this, Many of them are still in office. Many of them are up for election next year. Are they going to participate in this? Are they going to break the cardinal rule of conservative politics and being a Republican and say, taxpayers, give me money. Give me a $6 match for every dollar that I raise. Pay for my robo-dials. And if you participate in the public funding, it doesn't take away those other streams. You can still get big bucks from corporations. You can still get big bucks from PACs. It's just another stream of money that can come into the war chest. And and honestly, I won five straight assembly elections. I won a primary the first time I ran, so six straight elections. You don't really need to raise that much money to win an assembly seat. It's not the kind of race where you have to take out TV ads and pay for the big the big money TV ads on cable or certainly not on network. There's about 140,000 people in each assembly district, and you don't need $250,000 to reach them. You certainly don't need millions of dollars to reach them. But we're going to give these politicians in the Assembly, in the State Senate, running for those other offices, even if they're running in a primary, we're going to give them your tax dollars. And I'm putting out a challenge to Republicans, my fellow Republicans, don't do it. Don't do it. You will no longer have any credibility on tax and spending issues if you take money out of the taxpayer's pocket and give it to your campaign. You won't. You will lose all credibility. The Republican Party, which is on the ropes here in New York State, will have less credibility. And I know some people will say, Oh, we can't unilaterally disarm. I mean, if the Democrats are going to do it, we have to do it to try and compete. Nonsense. Keep doing it the old-fashioned way. Pound the pavement. In the Assembly, in the Senate, those districts are small enough in most cases where you can hit doors, knock on doors, take your message right to people at the grocery store, in the community, raise the money without any taxpayer contribution, and still win those elections. And you can make that issue the center point of your campaign. You can say, hey— I didn't take taxpayer money. My opponent, Candidate Jones, he's spending your money on lies about me. He's spending your money to get himself elected. Oh, and by the way, he has a big war chest, all this money, $10,000, $20,000, $30,000, $100,000 that he doesn't need. So he hires some of his buddies to be quote-unquote consultants, and now your money is not going to make this a more democratic state. Most of, the, most of the districts are drawn in such a way through gerrymandering that the— Race isn't going to be competitive anyway. I mean, in, in Manhattan, where I'm sitting right now, and most of the five boroughs, except for Staten Island, maybe a little bit in Queens, Republicans have no chance to win. So we're going to fund Democrat primaries in the Democrat parts of the state, and we're going to fund Republican primaries in the Republican parts of the state with taxpayer money. It doesn't make any sense. Don't do it, Republicans. Democrats don't do it also, but I'm challenging my fellow Republicans. Don't do it. And by the way, I have a great Republican coming up. My guest is waiting in the wings. She's going to call in in just a second, and we'll be talking to Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. You don't want to miss it. We are joined on the Issues and Interviews Hotline by Congresswoman Claudia Tenney from Central New York, New York's 24th Congressional District. Hello, Claudia. How are you? Hey, how are you doing, Karen? I'm doing great. Former Assemblyman. Yes. Claudia and I are old New York State Assembly colleagues. We go back a long way. A lot of phonies in politics. Very few straight shooters. But Claudia Tenney, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, is indeed a straight shooter. 
She sits on the All-Powerful Ways and Means Committee and the Science, Space, and Technology Committee in the Congress. I think you're in your third term, right, Claudia? Yes, that's right. So it's interesting. I was thinking about that. This is your third term and your third Speaker of the House. You had Paul Ryan, uh, Pelosi. Yes, that's true. I actually had my first election to Congress was in 2016. So I won in 16, lost in 18, won in 20 and 22. So I had a, a gap term in there. But yes, Nancy Pelosi for two two terms. God bless two, you. Two years. God, God bless you. And I feel like the momentum is stronger of all the speakers that you've you've worked with right now. I, I was a little skeptical of Kevin McCarthy, but I think so far so good early on. And the Republican majority has a lot of momentum. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think so. I think one of the problems we have is people are really starting to see the the real problems with our country and where things are moving and that this left-wing agenda is really not working. And I am really pleased that Kevin has stepped up to the plate, put out a plan. We had a commitment to America that we talked about, but also continuing to understand that our conservative base and the people who, you know, and conservative to me means that we are constitutionalists. We believe in freedom, individual rights, protecting self-governance, which is what our the whole foundation of our country is an experiment in self-governance. And, you know, really, it's all we have to stop the authoritarian communist left-wing agenda, which is happening right now, which is all about government, which is all about lacking, you know, taking away our ability to govern ourselves. And the real question is, what have they damage have they done to us that makes it difficult for us to govern ourselves? And what, how do we recapture our ability to be self-sufficient, to get our young people to understand that you, you know, work is good, getting out and working and making a living, and those things are, are going to be essential to our future, to our growth, and to our prosperity. So those are really the challenges. And I think that what Kevin McCarthy as speaker has done is put out a challenge to all of us and said, this is where we're going to stand on things. We're going to make sure that we reduce spending, we're going to make try to find a way to negotiate with the Biden administration, who seem reluctant to do anything on dealing with cutting spending, dealing with the inflation problem, which is hurting everyone. It's hurting Americans, especially in upstate New York. So I think a lot of the, the plan that he put in place, we're trying to live up to, although it's a challenge, as you and I are New Yorkers. What's going on on the left and the left-wing takeover of Albany is really concerning. And I, I left in 2016, but you were able to watch it over the last, you know, four to six years and, and seeing the real decline in New York State and the real decline in our ability to to combat what's going on, especially with the toothless governor that we now have who really can't overcome the supermajority and the veto-proof majority that the Democrats have in the legislature now, which is, to me, a huge problem that we face as New Yorkers. So true. That was a sea change in 2018 when Republicans lost control of the state Senate. It was over. Checks and balances were over. The ability for Republicans like us to get anything done, to go to our local senator and say, pass this in the Senate. Maybe I can get a Democrat sponsor and pass it in the Assembly. That died when we lost the majority of Republicans. As, as annoying and disappointing as it often was over on the Senate side, at least we had that checks and balances. And without that, we really started to fall apart as a state very quickly, quicker than I thought possible. But we have other problems in addition to New York State. I grew up in the Cold War, worrying about the Soviets. You grew up in the Cold War. And we worried about things like this, incursions into our country by aircrafts from other, from other countries, from hostile countries, from the Soviet Union or whatever. And it never really happened, but it's happening now. What is going on with these balloons and the response from Washington? 
Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And first of all, remember, the Chinese Communist Party has been committing minor incursions. You could call them major incursions into our country for many years in other ways before the balloons came. We had intellectual property theft that was has been happening with exchange of Chinese nationals. The Confucius Institutes established at a lot of the different universities where a lot of our intellectual property has been stolen by the Chinese. The purchasing of land throughout the country, which we've been warned about. Some of this has been happening in New York State. I wrote an article back in 2016 just talking about all these issues we've had with the Chinese Communist Party and the fact that so much of our foreign-held debt is with China. And it's over a trillion dollars and growing. And we continue to, as we continue to spend, we continue to give China that leverage. So they're very clever about this. Their Belt and Road Initiative they've used against uh, a lot of countries, South America, Africa. They, you know, they bullied their neighbors in, in Asia. And now we have this interesting balloon situation where we are pretty sure that it was a Chinese communist spy balloon that wandered across the United States for about a week before the Biden administration acted. And yet, you know, collecting data surveillance, we're not sure exactly what was out there, but we were pretty sure that we knew what it was. And then we have this inconsistent policy. We allowed this, we're pretty sure it's a spy balloon float across the, the nation. And now we're shooting down balloons that we're not even sure what they are. They're being considered unidentified flying objects. You know, well, let me, I don't know if we should, uh, you know, get the people in Pine Bush, New York, down in the southern tier of my old district to come out and talk about whether these are alien invasions or not. <laughs> and now we have an inconsistent policy. We're using F-22s to shoot them down. Even the Canadian prime minister is shooting one of them down. And yet, you know, we're finding out maybe some of these are weather balloons, but we don't even know what they are. So this policy is really inconsistent. But the fact that we're shooting down things over the U.S. US airspace is something we haven't done ever, I don't think. And so there's a big concern about the inconsistent policy, the failure of the president of the United States to come out and speak to the American people about what this is. And then just the lack of leadership and the lack of, of strength being you know, projected by this, by this administration has made us look feckless and made us look like a bunch of Keystone cops when it comes to our foreign policy. And this has been consistent with the Biden administration, where before, whether you like President Trump or not, he projected strength. He took decisive action in foreign policy, and we were strong on the national stage, and he forced our allies to really step up to the plate and do their fair share, as we described it, under NATO and other other countries. So I, I'm really worried about really what this administration stands for and what these balloons actually symbolize and reveal in our failure in foreign policy. Very true. We're joined on Issues and Interviews with Kira Michael Lawler by Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. We're talking about kind of the new Cold War with China and some unprecedented activities. I think that it happened over Super Bowl weekend kind of obscured the fact that it was such an earth-shattering development that we're shooting things over our own airspace. And the silence out of the White House is unbelievable. You mentioned Canada. Trudeau came out and spoke to his people about what's happening in the absence of some comments from the White House, from the president himself, from top people. Imaginations are running wild. People are talking about aliens from outer space coming, and that vacuum is being filled by all kinds of outrageous things, and the White House just set the record straight. Why don't they just tell us what it was, what they know, how they shot it down, and, and everything, you know, unless it's some real secret thing that's going to endanger us, why don't they just let us know what's going on? That would put everybody's nerves at ease. Yeah, I agree. And this is this is a huge problem. This is the Biden administration. If you go from the Afghanistan policy, you know, really Biden has, you know, was a disastrous policy. I called for his impeachment over that alone because it was such a poor decision 
and actually in many ways, contrary to what he knew about was on the ground, but it was a political decision because the original decision to pull out of Afghanistan was slated for 9-11 to make a symbolic gesture. What a disaster to say, oh, we're going to pull out of Afghanistan after so many people we lost so many lives over this whole since 9-11 in New York State, especially to say we're going to make this symbolic gesture of pulling out on 9-11 because we want to show that we ended the war. And then you look back and you think, well, we, we have picked an arbitrary date of August 31st. This is not good foreign policy decision making. This is really dangerous, actually, to the United States. And fast forward to what's happening in Ukraine, the way that this was handled, how we're dealing with Taiwan problem. Not one mention in the State of the Union address from the President of the United States on the issue in Taiwan, the fact that uh, so many of our vitally important semiconductor chips are made there, not one mention in the State of the Union, and I think maybe the first ever uh, from a presidential race, where no mention was made of Israel, one of our most important allies in the Middle East. And here's the president not talking about any of these things. If you go back to President Reagan's first term, he fired the air, air traffic controllers, and that sent a message to the Soviets that this guy follows through and means what he says. I feel like Biden has done the opposite with the open border and with that terrible pullout of Afghanistan. Do you think that these balloons and what's going on now and the show of weakness over the first two years of this administration is about Taiwan? Is this about softening us up and getting ready, getting intelligence so the Chinese can, can try to take back Taiwan? I wouldn't rule that out. I think it's probable. And not to mention the fact that China is teaming up with other enemies, Iran, Russia. These people are are circling the wagons right now, getting ready because they see a weak U.S. response. They see a lack of leadership. They see a U.S. government and a military that's obsessed with wokeness, not obsessed with lethality and readiness and the things we need to do to, to be a strong nation and to stand up to our enemies across the world. And they're seeing a, a nation in decline, I think. And a lot of the pandemic response ended up, you know, we're still, you know, uncertain. We still have vaccine mandates. We still have, you know, these rules in place that prevent Americans from going to work, you know, because they haven't had an experimental vaccine. We finally got that taken care of. We have a problem in our military getting recruiting and retaining military members. And that's happening across all sectors, not just the military, all because of a vaccine, not really creating war fighters and people that need to be at the highest levels to be able to defend our nation. There's just so many issues that we see weakness on this administration, and that really concerns me a lot. And I think that's all of what the Chinese people see, the Chinese Communist Party, which they're always plotting and planning and looking, at, as they say, 100 years ahead. And this is a real problem. I mean, they, they are planning ahead, and they have an authoritarian regime. They don't have to deal with democracy. They don't have to be accountable for their humanitarian problems that they have, where they're killing their own people or putting their own people in death camps and denying human rights. So this is a real issue, and I think the United States needs to stand up and recognize we have real enemies that are interested in not just defeating us, but actually being global leaders and displacing us in that role. Wow. Claudia Tenney, we're going to have to leave it right there, but I'm worried about the future. I'm worried about the future for my children and everyone's children, but I am very happy that we have a fighter like you down in Washington, D.C., fighting the good fight. Thanks so much for joining us. You're always welcome here. Thanks so much, Karen. Great to be on with you. All right. Take care, Claudia. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, 
to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You know, Claudia Tenney and I are kindred spirits politically, and she touched on something which I have been planning to talk about. Military recruitment. What's going on with military recruitment? Why don't people want to join the military? And back that up a little bit. Half of our young people, half of our young people due to drug use, obesity, and felony convictions are ineligible for military service. So we have a choice. We need to lower our standards, which I don't think is a good choice. I don't think you improve any entity when you lower your standards and you say, okay, you're 100 pounds overweight, but we're going to put you in, we're going to put you in the army now. Okay, you're a drug addict, we're going to put you in the army now. Now, felony convictions, there might be some opportunity there. It would depend on what the felony is. But really, we have a societal concern where our youth, which normally fills the ranks of our military, in our great all-volunteer military, the last 50 or so years, we're all-volunteer without a draft, which I think is a great thing. It's a great institution. I always thought when I was at the most miserable parts of my time in the Marine Corps, in boot camp, overseas, homesick, I signed up for this, and that made me feel a little better. I was a volunteer. So any misery, I volunteered for it, and that kind of put my heart at ease. Imagine if you were drafted into that, as, as so many were in Vietnam, Korea, World War II. Much more difficult psychologically. So we need to do everything we can to keep the all-volunteer military intact. But how do we do that? Imagine if after Pearl Harbor, President Roosevelt looked out at our country and said, holy cow, half of the 18 to 30-year-olds, give or take, are ineligible for military service. How are we going to fight Hitler? How are we going to fight the Imperial Japanese if half our people are are too fat, too drug-addled, or too too many criminal convictions to defend this country? Be a huge problem. Uh, might not have worked out so well back in World War II if, if we had that problem at the time. So we have that societal problem that we have to fix, get people in shape, get people off of drugs, keep people on the right side of the law. But that's a long-term fix. What do we do in the short term? The Marine Corps met its recruiting goal last year. The Marine Corps needs 33,000 recruits a year. They met it last year. The Army was about a quarter short, about 25% short of what they need. But even the Marine Commandant and Marines, especially Commandants, you know, we, we usually don't admit that we're worried about anything. Okay, We're gung-ho, as they say. Semper Fi, do or die. Hoorah. But the Commandant came out and said, yeah, we met our goal last year, but I don't know if we're going to be able to meet it again. And we're not lowering standards. So what are we going to do? Well, there's one problem, and, and Congresswoman Tenney touched on this. I wrote about it the other day in an op-ed because one of the congressmen in my area, not my exact congressman, but believe it or not, I'm Kieran Lawler, and my congressman is named Mike Lawler. He's on WABC a lot. you probably heard of him. But the neighboring congressman is a West Point graduate. Sounds great on paper. He's the first West Point graduate ever to represent West Point. But not only is he liberal. Okay, he's liberal. He's Democrat. Fine. I don't like it, but I can live with it. But he used his West Point background to get elected. Okay, great. That's part of his biography. That's part of who he is. But now he's an important voice on military affairs in this country. I believe he's on the Armed Services Committee, Representative Pat Ryan. And he's saying, Pat Ryan is saying, Congressman Ryan, West Point graduate, he served overseas, great military resume. So he has so much credibility on this. But he's saying the fact that the military has gone woke, the fact that the military has these programs, even at West Point, which I just went by, beautiful West Point, on my train ride into New York City. Even West Point has programming that you can only describe as critical race theory. At West Point, they teach about whiteness and understanding whiteness and understanding white rage. 
and all these CRT type topics. They have the Navy on their reading list. They have the the Bible of CRT, the Bible of critical race theory on their recommended reading list, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibrahim X. Kendi. And they have all these woke programs. The Chinese aren't worried about woke things. The Chinese aren't worried about problems from 150 years ago. The Chinese are worried about the success of their country. The Russians and our other adversaries around the world, they're not worried about these things in their military. They're worried about taking hills and accomplishing their missions. And we're worried about all these silly things. And we're worried about all these things that don't count. It's weakening our military and it's weakening recruiting. A reporter put this question to Congressman Pat Ryan not long ago, and he said it's BS. That was the exact words. It's BS that the military has gone woke. But it's a fact that they have all these programs. It's a fact that they had a stand down where nobody in the military does anything for a couple of days. No training. No getting ready for war. No, no getting stronger. No getting more cohesive. They have a stand down. They do nothing because they're worried about extremism in the ranks. Classic wokeness, classic liberalism, nothing to do with firing your rifle straight, nothing to do with getting men and material ashore. They're worried about all these liberal box checking because what the ambitious officers have realized, and maybe even some in the enlisted rank is, the way to get promoted, the way to advance is to comply and, and go along with these woke with these woke ideas, that's the way to do it. Even prior to Biden in the Trump administration, even though Trump was against it, many of his generals came of age in an era where you had to be politically correct. In the more recent times, you had to be woke to get promoted or it was going to stop your career before you became a colonel or a general, before you rose to those ranks. So enormous problem. That's one way. we got to fix society and have more people who are eligible. And the other way is we can't have a woke military. Until this year. Until this past year, I have four children. I have two daughters who are 15 and 16, and I have a 14-year-old and an almost 12-year-old son. And because my father was Marine and my uncle and my brother and me were U.S. Marines, I thought one of my sons, maybe both of them, would become Marines, third-generation Marines. That's something that, that would be pretty cool. It's up to them, obviously, but I think that would be pretty cool, and I'd be all for that. But this year, with all that's gone on, not, not, not the unrest in the world. I mean, Marines are always ready for, for danger. In many ways, we look for it, but... I started thinking for the first time, would I encourage my sons to go into the military? And just the fact that I'm thinking about it, somebody who's a second-generation Marine, love my Marine Corps experience after it was over, after the misery is over, you start to love it and you start to miss the guys. But somebody who was so pro I wrote a book about the Marine Corps. I wrote a book about boot camp. If someone like me is thinking, shoot, would I push my sons or encourage my sons to go into the military right now? If I'm thinking about that, a lot of people are thinking about that. And many, many of our service members their parents were in the military, and that's what gets them thinking about it and joining the military and, and continuing that tradition. And if the, the old, old veterans like me are thinking, maybe, maybe I don't want my sons to serve, that is an enormous problem. A guy who should be addressing it, Congressman Pat Ryan, calls it BS. Well, what he's saying is BS, total nonsense. Get with it, Congressman Ryan. Let's go. We have a nation to defend. We have a military to improve, and it starts with recruiting high-quality people. So I can't believe it. The first Red Apple Podcast Network edition of Issues and Interviews with Karen Michael Lawler has come to an end. What a show. What a great show. Great producers behind the glass there. I could do this for 10 hours a day, every day, standing on my head because I love it. I love radio. I'm happy to be there. Hey, you're going to download this podcast because that's why you're hearing it, right? You downloaded it. You have to share it with your friends. Share it with everybody. Get it out there. If you like this unique, independent voice, I know where all the bodies are buried in politics because I was in it for 10 years. And if you want those insights, you have to help push it out. Get us some downloads. Share it on your social media. Follow me on social media, at Kieran Lawler on Twitter. 
You'll find me on Facebook. Just type in my name in, K-I-E-R-A-N, my last name, L-A-L-O-R. But it was great that you joined us. And get ready for many, many more episodes of Issues and Interviews with Kieran Michael Lawler on the Red Apple Podcast Network.